Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Tonight, we have a wonderful guest that I'm dying to get to know and pick her brain and and see what's all about, because she seems like a lot of fun. Her name is Deborah Blake. She is the author of over a dozen books on modern witchcraft, including the Eclectic Witch Book of Shadows, The Little Book of Cat Magic, and Everyday Witchcraft, as well as the acclaimed Everyday Witch Tarot and Oracle decks. She has also written three paranormal romance and urban fantasy series for Berkeley, and as well as a cozy mystery series launch with Forbidden Fatality in 2021. Deborah lives in a 130-year-old farmhouse in upstate New York with numerous cats who supervise all her activities, both magical and mundane. And you can find everything about Deborah on DeborahBlakeAuthor.com. Deborah, welcome to the show tonight. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. And I love uh, people cannot see us obviously and as you know we are pre-recording because people's agendas are crazy but um (laughs) there is there is obviously a black cat present on the interview so she's not kidding when she puts on her bio that her cats are such big part of, of her life um yeah, this, this is this is Koshka. He's my main supervisor. He's he's actually a little bit like a dog. Whichever room I'm in, he just follows me in there and he has to be where I am and you know tries to help me, you know, write the books, which is not as helpful as you'd think once he starts, you know, walking on the keyboard. Um but yes, I have I have five cats at the moment. That's as as it has been pointed out to me numerous times, that is a lot of cats. <laughs> um, I I cannot argue with that, but you know they're 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 fun. They're they keep me in line. They give me motivation to keep writing because I have to keep feeding them. Is that how you got into witchcraft through the cats? Pretty much oh. my whole life. It's it's just a coincidence that, I, you know, I mean, you know, yes, many witches have cats, but I I literally have had cats since I was a little kid. So. They're just, they're just my thing. I am, I am an official crazy cat lady and a witch. You can be both. I guess. So how did you actually get into witchcraft? Well, I mean, I think I probably was always a witch. I just didn't know there was a name for what it was that, you know, when, you know, when I was a teenager I, you know, had, you know, some psychic experiences and I've always been really drawn to nature and I was never particularly comfortable with the traditional religions. Yeah, I was brought up Jewish and, and you know, my 
heredity as a Jew is a wonderful thing, but the religion itself did nothing for me. And, you know, I, I, you know, did some, some searching, hung out with the Unitarians for a while, very cool bunch of people, studied Buddhism for a very long time. And it was close, but not quite there. And then when I was in my late thirties, um, I had a friend who kept inviting me to come do stuff at her house. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a very social person. It's not that I don't like people. I just like them in small amounts for short periods of time. And I, you know, I was like, I don't know, this sounds sort of strange. And so finally one Samhain, you know, Halloween, she said, oh, I'm just having a few people over. We're going to, you know, have a little feast. We're going to do a little ritual. I really think you're going to like it. And I said, oh, okay, fine. Went over. Her idea of a few people was about 30 in a small apartment. And people kept hugging me and saying, Merry Meet. I didn't know who any of these people were. And you know, we had a lovely feast. It was fine. I kept thinking, what on earth have I gotten myself into? And then we went outside to the park next to her apartment. Um, and we did a ritual. And as soon as the circle was cast, I was home. It was... It, you know, it was so right. And I had been reaching out for years for something, for deity in some form. And this time, somebody reached back and basically went, well, it took you long enough. And and literally from that moment on, that woman became my first teacher, my first high priestess. Um, and that was the beginning of my practice, but yeah, I was sort of a late bloomer. I did not come to it in my twenties or even my early thirties. And, and the really funny thing about it is that I was talking to another friend who was a, a witch, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, they, and they knew each other. Um, and I said to her, Hey, Carrie, you're not going to believe it. It turns out I'm a witch. And she went, yeah, I know. And I went, what do you mean? You know? She said, oh, yeah, I've known for ages. And I went, well, why didn't you tell me? And she said, nobody can tell you. You have to find out for yourself. And I, I think that is absolutely true. Over all of the years that I've spent since then, I'm 63 now, so I've been doing it for a while. And, of course, I've written a lot of books, so people reach out to me all the time. And one of the things they say is, how do you know if you're a witch? And I say, ask you know just you know it's it's not there there is no hard and fast rule it's different from ev for everyone i just knew the moment the circle was cast i my jaw just dropped to the floor when you say your age because you don't look a day over 50 but well um, that's what comes of roasting all those babies over you know bonfires and you know, casting evil evil spells in the woods actually it's it's genetic good luck i i can't even take any credit for it you know, yeah. both my parents are pretty young looking too but yeah I, I thank you i get that a lot too that i don't look my age but i don't know but the thing is um it's I funny think it that... helps to be perpetually immature <laughs> that's true yeah i mean when you're happy and you don't have to worry about everything all the time, I mean, you worry about things, but you cannot not worry with the stage of the right. world. 
Oh my goodness. No, I worry constantly. I mean, that's, that's like my biggest hobby right now. It's just worrying about everything. Um, and for the people who can't see my hair has in the last like four years or so become much more silver than dark brown. It used to be dark brown with these very nice silver streaks. And now it's silver with a few little dark brown streaks. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, some of it is genetic. Some of it is, you know, I try and lead a healthy life. Um, some of it is honestly staying out of the sun because, you know, the, the sun will age you. But a lot of it is is simply genetic good luck. My my sisters, I have two sisters, and they both also look much younger than their ages. You know, I'm sure it'll catch up with me eventually. Yeah. Do you have kids that you ever birthed? I have. I have a I have a stepdaughter who is oh god uh she's 41 I don't know how that's possible and she's also a witch actually and she's I'm in upstate New York and she's out in California so I don't see her nearly as much as I would like to um but she actually ended up moving to San Jose because we went to PantheaCon together back in the years when Pantheon was a huge conference out there and she just fell in love with the area and all the pagans in the area and moved out there and left me here in the snow <laughs> I was asking because sometimes um, I'm convinced that not birth and children also keeps you young but anyway back yeah to I let somebody else birth her and then I raised her yeah, <laughs> yeah I did the same yeah somebody else did the tough bit and then I just you know got I kept her alive for the rest of it. I have a grandson who is 15 and people ask me like, how can you have a grandson when you never have kids? And I'm like, uh, it's called magic. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, family, family is not, is not necessarily anything to do with blood. You know, it's, you know, one of the things I, I belong to a coven and, and, you know, this is, not the one that I started out in. This is one I started myself. We've been together, most of us, since 2004, which is a really long time for a group. I mean, Circle Sanctuary has existed for you know an insane amount of time, but that's really unusual. And the the women in this group are my family. I, you know, I was there when, you know, I married some of them. I, you know, help them give birth i you know we've been there through the good stuff the bad stuff and they are as much my family as the people who are related to me by blood and my stepdaughter certainly i mean she came into my life when she was one she doesn't remember any time i wasn't there and so yeah she's my kid you know and you know, it, it is, it's just one of those gifts from the gods. Sometimes they, I think they compensate you, you know, I, I didn't end up having, you know, children of my own body and both of her parents were, well, less than optimal. And so we, we like to say we're each other's consolation prize. <laughs> that is magnificent. And, and it, you know, I love the fact that she's turned out to be a pagan too. I mean, I did not in encourage it i didn't discourage it and i let her you know come to rituals and things but i wanted her to find her own path it just happens that that path ended up being the same as mine which was wonderful um so you know but yeah i mean if she if she wanted to be something else that would have been fine with me so you were telling us about 
the beginning, right? These friends mm -hmm. that knew. Yep. They knew you were a witch. You didn't know you were a witch. Then they tell you like, oh, yeah, we knew. We knew the whole time. And, you know, <laughs> it was for you to find out. Yeah. And you have told us about this coven that you are part of now, that they're like your second family or your man. Yep, that's, that's Blue Moon Circle. Is And I mention them in most of my books, if not all of my books. They show up a lot. Tell us the in-between. Tell us the first covens that you were part of, because I'm sure... Some of that may have inspired the book that I have on my hands. It it did actually. Well, actually, the the thing that inspired the book that you have in your hands was the beginning of Blue Moon Circle, the one that I'm in now. What happened with my first coven, and it was interesting because the the woman who was the high priestess who ran it um, did not in the beginning call it a coven. She called it a study group. And anybody who was interested could come. It met every Thursday night at her house. And, you know, there were people who were witches. There were people who thought they might be witches. Um, and over the years, as more, you know, more of us sort of stuck around, she finally did at the end end up calling it a coven. But she was, she was um, brought up in a Wiccan tradition. So she taught us mostly sort of the Wiccan style of witchcraft. And so many of my roots come from that. I've sort of branched out from those roots. I, I don't I don't always call myself a Wiccan these days. I'm more likely to call myself a witch or a pagan. The only time really I use the term Wiccan is if it's something that I think somebody's going to understand better. You know, people who don't know anything about witchcraft. If you say you're a witch, they usually want to go run and hide. If you say you're a Wiccan, they may go... Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I did, I was with that coven for about five years, uh, maybe a little bit longer. And I, you know, finally went to her and said, you know, I think I'm I'm ready to do my my high priestess study. What What should I do? And so she gave me a year and a day of, you know, more reading and having me, you know, put on, you know, lead the, lead the group things, lead some really large public uh, rituals at the local Unitarian church. Um, I did a Yule that had 60 people. That was a, actually it was really great fun. A lot of pressure, but great fun. Uh, but I was in theater. So, you know, <clears throat> no big deal. Um, and then when I felt like I was ready, I waited for her to feel like I was ready. And it didn't happen. And it yeah. didn't happen. And I finally ended up leaving that group in part because she got a boyfriend that didn't like me. And there was some, you know, interpersonal issues, as often does bring a group crashing to its knees. Um, but it also, I sort of realized that she was never going to feel like I was ready because she liked being the only high priestess. She didn't, you know, it was one of those. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely grateful for everything that she taught me and for bringing me to this path. We just had hit a point where it was no longer the place for me to be. And that happens when you practice with others. Um, and so then I spent about nine months practicing by myself while I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. I did finally a, a self-dedication as a high priestess with a couple of friends. 
um, one of whom was a witch and one of whom wasn't. And it was really great and meaningful. And I basically dedicated myself to, you know, serving the witchcraft community and being there for other witches in whatever form the goddess sent, you know, down down the road for me. I didn't know yet what that was going to look like. Um, and sort of had this idea in my head of what kind of group I wanted to start for myself, which ended up not being at all what Blue Moon Circle was. Blue Moon Circle started with two other women. But, you know, I was going to have this big group. I was going to invite all the witches I knew. And we did, you know, when we had holidays, we would invite, a you know, a bunch of sort of peripheral people we'd practice with or people who were interested. But the group itself, was me and these two other women, both of whom had been practicing for probably 20 or 30 years and had been solitaries because they never found the right group. And the three of us, we still practice together. Um, and you know, we formed the core of what is still Blue Moon Circle. And the way the group got its name was because there were only three of us. And if one of us couldn't make it, we'd go, eh, we'll get together next time. So in the beginning, we only met once in a blue moon. And so that's where that name come from, came from. And then we had a couple of people who came often enough that, you know, they weren't ready to say they were a part of the group or that they were witches, but they were there almost the whole time. And again, you know, one of those people ended up finally going, yeah, I guess I am a witch. It took her like 10 years. I don't know. But, you know, like I said, you know, it hits everybody differently. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the book Circle Covenant Grove was actually based on our first year of practice as a group. You know, as the high priestess, I came up with, you know, we we did new moons, full moons, and then the the eight sabbats and so you know i wrote rituals for all of those things and i remember thinking gee you know i wish there was a book that was for you know somebody who's either starting a coven or you know is thinking of starting a coven and that just hands it all to you it goes here's a year's worth of stuff you don't have to think about it you know figure it out as you're going along and then you can do your own thing and had, you know, some hints and things. And I was in the shower one day as one, as one gets, you know, those thunderbolts. Yep. Um, and, you know, I was sort of thinking about how I wished I had that book and that voice in the back of my head went, well, maybe you should write it. Mm -hmm. like, what, what, what? <laughs> who's, who's that? Where, what? And of course it was the gods giving me a, not even subtle nudge and I you know I thought about it I talked to a couple of people I'd actually been writing my whole life but fiction it had never occurred to me to write nonfiction, and I'd never really finished any of the fiction you know I wrote some short stories sent them out got rejected gave up for five years you know wrote half a novel didn't finish it so you know I wrote but I didn't write professionally Mm -hmm. And I never considered writing nonfiction. And, you know, I said to one of the women in my group, you know, I, I had this idea, but it seems sort of silly because, you know, anybody can write rituals and spells. And she went, 
they can't. I can't, you know, and, and you know, it, it occurred to me that I'd been missing the point, which was that just because it was easy for me, yeah. that it came naturally to me, I'm also a natural leader. It's just part of who I am, despite having been like this incredibly shy kid. If there's a task, if there's something that needs to be done, um, you know, I'll still go, well, all right, this is the way it needs to be done. Let's just do it this way. This is the, this is the most practical and simplest way and everybody will be happy. Um, so yeah, so I started writing the book and I um, sent it. I, I did basically went online to Llewellyn's website because I knew I wanted to try Llewellyn first since half the books on my bookshelf came from Llewellyn. Yeah. And um and I went online and I looked at what they wanted you to do if you were going to submit a manuscript. And I think it was like the first 50 pages plus an outline of the whole book. You know, you had to have the table of contents and, you know, some facts about yourself and, you know, they had, you know, how they wanted it formatted and things. And they did say, and, it, you know, it'll probably take about six months before anybody even gets back to you. So I wrote the first 50 pages and I got everything put together. And this was back in the dark ages. I printed it out and mailed it in. And um, and here's the funny story about this book. So two weeks later, I got an email from Alicia Gallo, who is my editor at Llewellyn, who I love and adore. And it said, we're really interested in this book. Could you please send us the rest of it? Anyway, but it's two weeks. It's two weeks. You said six months. There was no rest of the book. I hadn't written it yet. Just, I didn't know a lot about publishing, so I, I did not realize that by the time, you know, that it wasn't like a you have to do it right now. So I literally sat down and wrote the rest of the book in five weeks. And this is the fastest I've ever written anything in my life. My mother, who also writes and who is a really great technical writer, you know, went through, took out the 476 extra commas, uh, you know, corrected the you know, few little glitchy things. Um, and, you know, then I sent it back in. And guess what? I waited six months to hear back because... The fun thing was that Alicia had just started her job at the same time that I was starting to write. And she had what she has since referred to as an eerily empty desk, which has never happened you know, since. Mm -hmm. And so my book landed on her desk when she was just starting. And so she looked at it right away. But by the time you know the five weeks had passed, you know there were you know dozens of other manuscripts, and of course you know the rest is history. They loved the book and and bought it, and you know I got all excited, and then I went, huh, now what do I do? Because I hadn't I hadn't planned to make a career out of it. You know that mm -hmm. was I just was like told to write the book. I wrote the book, and then I went, you know, this was kind of fun. I, I sort of sort of like this. And I started working more seriously on the fiction because I now no longer had the excuse that I'd never finished anything. <laughs> and so I did, 
know, and it took me a number more years to break into the fiction side because it's very different. Um, it's apples and oranges, basically. Um, you have to have an agent for the fiction for the most part, which I didn't have to have for Llewellyn. Um, but yeah, so I put out the book and and people loved it. Um, bless them. And a lot of people read it who were not in covens and still liked you know the rituals and found them useful and were able to convert them to use as a solitary and then it went out of print because that happens sometimes you know the people who were going to buy it bought it mm -hmm. and not enough more people were buying it and you never really know why that is as an author and you can't take it personally lots of books eventually go out of print and so I said, oh, well, okay, that's sad. My first baby is out of print. But by that time I had, I don't know, six or seven other books. When did it come out originally? When was the first time it, that it came out in the world? It came out in 2007. I wrote it in 2005 and it came out in 2007. And I'm not really sure when it went out of print, maybe four or five years ago, something like that. And I you know, I put it out myself, you know, basically, you know, got it a new cover because Llewellyn owns the rights to the original cover. And, you know, I put it out myself so that people could find it if they wanted it. But I didn't really put a lot of effort behind it because I was busy writing new books. And then, um, oh, could it last year, maybe? Time blurs together for me. I'm old and the COVID thing, you know, it's like I don't, ever since COVID hit, I don't know what date month year it is um it's all you know wibbly wobbly tiny whiny um one long, one long week after covid it, it's yeah it's very strange yeah um but yeah so sometime last year i got contacted by these really lovely people at crossed crow books who i had i will admit never heard of before then and they were actually asking me if I would be willing to write a foreword for a book they were reissuing for another author. And I looked at it and I went, oh, I love that book. That book is on my shelf. And it was another thing where they explained to me that, yeah, it had gone out of print and part of their, they were putting out new books, but they were also reissuing a whole lot of what they considered to be really classic books that should still be out there. And I said, you know, first of all, yes, I'd be happy to write a, a foreword for her book. I, you know, I think it's a great book. You know, it should be out there. And then I sat down and I thought about it and I went, well, hmm. and I had actually just gotten word literally like a week or two before, because that's the way the universe works, that a second book of mine, um, uh, which is, what's the other book? Um, witchcraft on a shoestring was also going out of print and and of course by this time i had i don't know 12 books out or something so yes sad but not you know not tragic but i thought well here's two books i wonder if they would have any interest in putting them out so i wrote back to the you know folks in charge and they went you know just just so you know, I have these two books that are, you know, out of print or going out of print from Llewellyn, if you would have any interest in them, and they all jumped up and down, and 
went, oh boy, yeah. And I went, oh boy, yeah. And so now Circle Covenant Grove, a year of magical practice is back out in the world with a beautiful foreword by uh, Patty Wigington, who's who's um, somebody I really admire in the witchcraft community and have been sort of online pals with. Um, yeah, we sort of follow each other around. We don't you know, talk about our personal lives, but we we cheer each other on and um and they they gave it a stunning cover i mean a really really beautiful cover i could not love this cover more um and they actually have a limited edition hardcover um which is out uh which is also very cool and uh, yeah it makes me really happy because you know there's something about your first book that you know, this, this started a whole career I had no idea was waiting for me. And it was sort of sad that that book in particular went away. And there are, in fact, not a lot of books out about covens. I just wrote another one for Llewellyn, uh, the Everyday Witches Coven, because I wanted to sort of update what I had in, in this one, um, and you know you can you can easily have both books. They have different things in them. Uh, but when I went looking to see if there was any need, I was amazed. All of the coven books that I had read when I was starting out are out of print now. Mm-hmm. All of them, every single one. And I know that there are covens out there. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm in the only one. And you know, because I am so very lucky to know. Blake and Wick, I can picture them jumping up and down. <laughs> they have been wonderful to work with. In fact, the whole crew there, yes. everybody has just been like the original cover that they sent me the mock-up of was good, but it wasn't quite right. And I said, well, could you change this and do that? And they did it. And then it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, they're wonderful. I love working with Llewellyn too. I feel like now I have two families instead of just one, you yeah. know, yeah. which is great. And, you know, one of the things that I was worried about and it turned out I didn't need to be was I thought, oh, you know, are the folks at Llewellyn going to, you know, feel like their toes are being stomped on because I'm reissuing these books with somebody else. And they went, no, you know, we we didn't want to have them out anymore. They weren't making enough money for us. If somebody else wants to put them back out there, that's great. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's there. It, I believe I believe after a number of years, you get the right back or something. Yeah, like that. what's one of the one of the things that happens? There's two ways you can get the rights back to a book. Um, one is that they basically can write to you and say, you know, we're going to take this out of print. You know, do you want your rights back? And then you fill out a piece of paper and you say, yes, thank you very much. And you get them back. Uh, Sometimes like with some of my fiction books, which have not been selling well, but they haven't, the, the publishing company hasn't taken them out of print. Those you have to, and this is where it's handy to have an agent to do this crap for you. Um, then you sometimes have to say, okay, the contract said that if you sell less than X number of books in a year, we can ask for the rights back. 
guess what? We're asking for the rights back. Um, in in the case of Llewellyn, you know, they're very cooperative about that kind of stuff. If they're not selling it, they have no problem giving you your rights back, or at least I have never had a problem mm -hmm. with that. Um, you know, they're they're very author centric. You know, they you know they want their authors to succeed, and you know if if it isn't working for them, they're fine with you doing something else with it. What amazes me now is that I see a lot of authors, because these folks on Crosscrow are really doing a lot they're of stunning. Good work. Yeah, they're, I mean, literally I hadn't heard of them and now they're everywhere. Yeah. I don't know how they have the energy. They must be much younger than I am. That's all I'm saying. Well, they're very young and they're very uh, good at what they do and they love working. So, yep. you know, they work, 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 work. So, but uh, what I've seen is a lot of authors that they're getting something out on this publishing house and something out on this publishing house. And then us, the public, are like, yes please we want it all um so the book obviously circle covenant grove a year of magical practice you mentioned on the book yes it's for covens but it could be used by anybody why do you think that covens lately and i say lately as of probably 10 15 years um people are kind of like walking away from covens or they don't want that structure or they don't want i don't know if i'm answering my my own question they're one that this what do you think well for one thing i'm not sure that's really true i think covens are changing that was one of the things that i actually addressed in the new book is that covens don't necessarily look like what they used to look like i have a friend who has been practicing with the same one other person for many years. They started out in a bigger coven together. The coven broke up because of the reasons covens break up. And the two of them have been practicing nonstop for 10, 15 years. They're just a teeny tiny coven, you know? And then there's the covens that are not as formal. I mean, I think as people move away from the Wicca style of things, which some people still, you know, practice traditional Wicca covens and there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever works for you. This is the theme of every book I have ever written is whatever works for you, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, go for it. There is no wrong way. There is no one right way. But I think that what people are finding is that the traditional covens, the covens that existed when I first started, don't work for as many people as they used to. Maybe they're too formal or maybe they don't like the rules or maybe they think there are rules that there aren't. You know, maybe they think there has to be a high priestess and a high priest. I used to call myself a high priestess because, you know, that was, you know, part of my, you know, my, my upbringing as a witch. I've now been practicing with the same people for so long there's nothing high about me, you know, I, you know, we're all equal. I am not any more priestess than anybody else in this group. Yes. I happen to be the one who's comfortable writing the rituals. Every once in a while, somebody else will lead a ritual. You know, if they have something they're particularly inspired by. Um, but for the most part, it's me, but I don't feel 
I'm more of a facilitator than a leader really at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think some of it is that maybe people are just not calling it a coven anymore. I also think, you know, from the, the emails that I get and the messages I get on Facebook, a lot of people are having a really hard time finding a coven. It's not that they don't want to be in one. They don't know where to look or they're living in a part of the country where it's not really safe to be obvious about the fact that you are looking for a coven. Um, you know, where I live is a relatively rural area of upstate New York. It's a, it's a small town, except that we have two colleges. And the fact that we have two colleges sort of makes us bigger. But the area itself is made up of a whole lot of littler towns. And there, since my original high priestess stopped doing her thing, nobody else has stepped up to be the public face of witchcraft. I mean, people know who I am because I ran a store in town that was an artist cooperative shop and I have my books there. I'm not, you know, I'm not in the broom closet by any mean, but you know, my coven is not an open coven. We don't just allow anybody because we've worked together for so long. We occasionally have somebody new, but it's very rare. And I couldn't tell you, I know there are covens out there. I couldn't tell you how to find them. I couldn't tell you if there's anybody who's accepting new members it's just, I mean, I know there's a, a crap ton of witches in this area, but the ones who are in covens are not making themselves obvious. And, you know, there used to be some online places that you could find people um, like Witch Fox. Oh my God, I, I, you know, that Witch Fox, you could type in your area and, you know, if there was a coven, they could register there and you could find them there is no such thing anymore. So I think some of it is not that people are leaving covens. I think they'd like to be in covens and they can't find them. Mm -hmm. And I always say, well, start your own. Find one or two people of like mind. If that's where you got to start, start your own. Yeah. And, and use my book. <laughs> and you know what? And, and you're correct. A lot of people like to use the word study group and mm -hmm. you know they feel more comfortable and it's a lot of the times it boils down to semantics right because it's like when people i am very proud to say i'm a feminist mm -hmm. and then there are people who are doing work like i do or even more activism than i do and they're like but I, but don't call me feminist and it's like yeah, well you are a feminist yeah, yeah. well so, and that's why the book is called circle covenant grove because my group called themselves a circle because the, you know, the other people in it were not comfortable with the word coven. Now it doesn't bother them, but back in the beginning, it made them sort of twitchy. And then a grove, of course, is really more of a druid kind of a term, but it was meant to say, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. Just if here's how to practice with other people. So, so before we run out of time, because I cannot believe we've been at it for about 40 minutes. Um, tell us a little bit for those like me that didn't saw the first edition or, or the first print, is there anything different? Is it all the same? It's and this, the book itself is, is exactly the same. 
Uh, the only thing that's different is there's this beautiful foreword by Patty um, and, and a prettier cover. Um, yeah, if if you own a copy of the first one, you have this book, you know, other than the foreword. I really didn't change anything because, um, I did, you know, I mean, it, there might have been a typo. Yeah, but I, you know, there, I felt like the book still stood up you know, over time, you know, the rituals are still useful, you know, there are, you know, there are a few aspects of my own practice that have changed and that's what's in the new book. Um, but for people who are just starting out, you know, or, or who feel like their coven needs a, a boost, this, yes, this book still does exactly what I wanted it to do in 2007, but it is the same, it is the same book. Um, and people have asked me that because, you know, if, if they already own a copy, no, you, you, you don't have to, I mean, you, you do, you need one with both covers, you know, yeah, you want one with both covers. I was covers. just going to tell you, if you're a fan, yeah, you want it, you it's, know, because it's like, if you're a fan, how are you not going to have it? Like, Well, and Patty's forward, I mean, she made me cry. It was so sweet. And it's, it really is a... A, you know, a lovely little addition to the book. Um, and, you know, if you've used your old one a lot and it's all worn out, maybe you need a shiny new one. But there's also plenty of people who, who didn't get it. And so they can, I know that new book smell, yum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are people who missed it the first time around or didn't come to their practice until it was out of print or whatever. And hopefully they will all run out and, and you know, buy a copy because, I, as I mentioned, I do have cats to feed. Um, and, you know, somebody's got to help me with that because five's a lot. And, of course, the book is um, every chapter is a month. And you have specific practices for that month. The rituals. Tell us a little bit about how it's laid out for people that know nothing about the book. Well, basically, it's because it is a year of practice. Each month has a new moon ritual and a full moon ritual. And then, of course, the months that have Sabbaths in them also have a Sabbath ritual. And you don't necessarily have to do like the new moon ritual, you know, for January is a blessing and consecration of a book of shadows because that's how we started out. Yeah, we, we, you know, created a book of shadows for the group and mm -hmm. then blessed and consecrated it. If you do that in February or June, then feel free to do that ritual in February or June. You know, this is, this is a guide. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not a, you must do it this way. This is like, if you don't, if you don't know what you want to do, try this, but you can move things around. You can do, you know, things that are that are different in different months. If if the banishing ritual feels better for you in November than it does in March, then do it in November. And there's some crafty projects because we're a crafty bunch of people. So you can always do those projects at some other time. And this is where for the folks who are not in a coven, there's a lot of stuff in here that is still very applicable to a solitary you know, you can still do the craft things and you may with the spell just have to change the word we to the word I. Yeah. I, I have faith in you all. I know you can do it. 
Yes. You know? yes. And then there's, you know, it's, there's, you know, some Wicca basics and, you know, some group practice essentials, which are sort of my little do this, don't do that. Um, and at I, the love end, the, I love the etiquette. I love yeah, the circle etiquette. That's something, this was one of the first things I learned as I was doing rituals where we invited people who were not part of the circle all the time. I made this assumption, and you know what happens when you assume, mm-hmm. I made this assumption that everybody knew the rules of being in a ritual circle. And then somebody would get up and leave in the middle to go to the bathroom or, and, or there's like their phone would go off and we'd be like, wait, no, why is your phone on? And, and so I finally, for my own group, wrote up this, this list of circle etiquette and handed it out to new people so that they would have the basics of, yes, if you need to leave the circle, ask somebody to cut you out, you know, don't, don't interrupt people if we're passing the speaking stick. They get to speak. You know, the stuff that I took for granted. But of course, if somebody didn't teach it to you, how would you know it? It wasn't I the have, people. Who, yeah. I have two anecdotes that you will love or, <laughs> or, or love to hate. Uh, the first one, my very first weekend teacher, whom I've been thinking about lately a lot. I need to call him Marty Couch. Um he will tell us, you know, like, be very mindful of how you express your intention. And somebody was waiting for a check. And they called her check. Pardon me for repeating. But if I don't repeat exact the exact words, it's not going to sound right. This person says, my intention is that I get my goddamn check. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So Marty stopped him and said, Let, uh, please allow me to suggest that you say I have received my blessed check. Yeah. You know? uh, and, and so that happened. And that's when I learned very quickly how to explain to people before you go. Yeah. How to uh, say your intent. And then a few years later, Deborah, what I have was. I was running the ritual and this person uh, wanted to banish their neighbor. That that was their words. Right. And I'm like, yeah, we cannot banish your neighbor. And they said to me, but it's only one neighbor. I say, I don't care if I have a neighbor. You cannot banish your neighbor. You can banish how you feel about your neighbor but you can right. or you can protect yourself from their energy if there's something about their energy that is bothering you protection work is always fine the banishing thing that could backfire badly um yeah and at least <laughs> that one of those things that um you know you do have to be careful and not not every witch agrees on which things are appropriate and which are not appropriate. Um, you know, there are there are folks who believe that hexing is okay and that is a personal choice. I personally do not do it because of the, first of all, the possibility of things coming back to bite me, but also because I tr- 
I try and have faith in the universe taking care of things. I will do protection work. I will do, but I also, the people who do hexing, I'm, I'm like, you know, that's you, that's your choice. If, you know, if you're comfortable with that, I'm just not, you know, I, and I, I certainly understand the motivation behind some hexing. Like, you know, there's, you know, a very famous witch who was known for hexing rapists, you know, with her group. And you probably know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to name names. Um, and, you know, I am a hundred thousand percent sympathetic with that particular kind of hex because there are, yeah, reasons. But I wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, that's just not how I would handle it. I might ask for justice, you know, that's, you know, and, and hope that the gods would break them down with lightning, you know, but I wouldn't put it out there like that. I would just say, you know, please send justice. But, yeah. you know, that's the thing about witchcraft is that everybody is a little bit different. You know, every, there is, there are no two witches alike, which is great. Yeah. And not, you know, while many of us agree on our practices, say 90%, there's there's often that 10% difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's okay. If there is somebody who does things that you really disapprove of, then don't associate with them. I mean, I have a few people that I no longer, you know, follow them or support them or whatever, because I consider some of their actions to be over the line. But that's, you know, that's just me. And, and it's a personal would... preference, like you said. Exactly. I, I have done, you know, like that type mm-hmm. of hex the patriarchy type of thing where yep. I've done that. And I would rather hang out with somebody that does that. Right. Than to hang out with someone that does love spells. As oh, in- love spells are one of my huge bugaboos. That's the other thing you'll find in all of my books is me going, don't do love spells. Don't do them. You can do open to love spells yeah. you can do so you know, please send me love in whatever form is best for me right now but the love spells that name somebody's name bad idea ask me how i know oh <laughs> like, you can ask me oh, yeah. how i know <laughs> yeah young witch stupid witch just saying when the gods choose to teach you a lesson on that one oh no so yes somebody says don't cast love spells I'm telling you, do not cast. I I have the exact same reasons that you do for not casting spells. I wanna and I wanna kind of start saying goodbye with that because you will laugh. It's (laughs) it's knowledge I've shared with people. This it's not a secret. Uh, When I was a young witch, I was in love because you know one does. Uh huh. What I did. Is I braided a tiny little braid of my hair, I cut it, and I give it to him, and I told him because I never want to stop loving you. Oh, it's such a bad idea. Well, eighteen-year-old little yeah, you don't daughter, know when you're eighteen. She was so in love; she didn't know the difference between her. You know, and I was, I was in my late 30s when I made my boo-boo so I apparently didn't know that much either 
it happens, you know, but that's why you have the gray hairs that are not. Yes, so exactly. I earned every one of these gray hairs. I worked hard for these things. And thanks to that experience, I became very aware of two things. You don't do love spells, no matter how small or mm -hmm. how um, harmless they may seem. And two, I'm very good at cutting cords. Yeah. <laughs> because I have to learn how to cut for myself. It took me, it took me a year to undo my mess. Oh. I was so sure that this person was supposed to be with me. So sure. And then, you know, after I cast the spell to say, oh, please send him back to me. And he came back, uh -huh. you know, like a month after that, I went, oh, I was wrong. He's crazy as a bed bug. And I really don't want him in my life. And then I could not get rid of him. Uh, he kept showing up. He would like, I could feel him thinking about me. It was, I, and I did cord cutting. I did banishing. I did everything. The gods were determined. I was going to learn this lesson down to my toes. And finally, after about a year of sweating it out and being really uncomfortably connected to somebody I did not ever, ever want to see again, you know, they took pity on me and, you know, a friend said, oh, here, try doing this. And I went, oh, okay, thank you very much. But yeah, don't do love spells. The, old, yeah. the two old ladies are telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Because okay. they are nearly as, you know, and this is the other thing that I, say in my books when I talk about love spells how would you feel if you found out that the person you loved with all your heart had cast a love spell on you to make you love them wouldn't you doubt whether your love was real wouldn't you wonder if you only loved them because they cast this spell on you wouldn't you feel like you would have liked to have had the free will to make that choice for yourself if you wouldn't want it done to you don't do it to somebody else. That is Deborah Blake's Rule of Witchcraft 101. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you and don't freaking do unto others as you would not want done unto you because it ain't cool. And the gods are paying attention. Don't you think they're not? Yeah. And, you know, it, it goes it goes deep into like, what do you really want? And what you really want is to be loved and to be loved you need to be open you need to be ready yep. so, you know i guide my apprentices and i guide my clients like if what you want is a love spell how about we work into you being open you being right. willing you being coherent with what kind of love you want well and, then, and start by learning to love yourself exactly. because if you cannot love yourself no one else can love you and that is a hard thing for people to learn because it's a whole lot easier to love other people than it is to love yourself yeah, yeah. and to accept yourself with all of your flaws and, you know, the things that are wrong with you or the things that maybe aren't the way you wish they would be, you know, that aren't necessarily of the flaw you think it is, you know. So, yeah, we could talk about this for a whole nother hour. Yeah. And, and so thank you so much, uh, Deborah, for being here. I just want to remind people that we have over a thousand hours of podcasts on csm podcasts we have circle talk we have circle of nature we have 
Blue Marble, we have Songs of the Pagan Tribe, we have Paganos del Mundo in Spanish and Pagaos del Mundo in Portuguese, and we have, of course, Lunatic Mondays. You can go to Block Talk Radio and find, like I said, over a thousand titles that you can listen, upload, download, and share, or you can go to the Circle Sanctuary um, website. I forgot the word website. Circle Sanctuary website and go to the CSMP little section. And from there, you can jump to the archives. And there's uh, since 2018, so there's like five years, four years of, of podcast now. Um, what I have left to say for you, Deborah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for reissuing this book that is really good. People need to have it, whether you're in a coven, modern coven, different coven, or a coven of you, yourself, and I. Um, it's a great read. Thank you for being on the show. I leave you the microphones so you can tell us where people can get your book and where you're going to be going next for the rest of the fall and winter season. Um, well, they can find the book um, pretty much anywhere you can find any books. Um, I mean, obviously, you can get it you know, directly from the uh, Cross Crow Books website. Um, and that may be the only place the hardcover is. I'm really not sure because it's a limited edition. Um, if you want the really, really special one. Um, and otherwise, you know, you can you can go strolling into your local indie bookstore and ask them to order it or go to a pagan store if you have one. And if it isn't on their shelf, ask them to order it. Or you can go on Amazon and all those other usual places. Um, I also, as I always do, have signed copies on my Etsy store. So if you come find me on Etsy and you want a signed copy, you know, I do that um, just because it was something people asked for. Um, as for what I'm doing, I have no concrete plans. Um, I did, however, just give an online tarot class, which went really well. And people really seem to enjoy it. And so I've been debating doing more online classes, whether it's like a more advanced tarot class or an online class for the people who missed the first one, or even just an intro to witchcraft class, which people sometimes have asked for. You know, I used to do all that stuff in, in public, and now I'm not traveling as much because, well, there's this plague. Um, and also just because my cats don't like it when I leave the house. Uh, so yeah, if you follow me online and, you know, I may end up doing those and, you know, I'll announce it. You can also find me. And if that's something you'd want, you can ask me if I get a bunch of people that ask me, that'll probably motivate me to do it. Um, all the links to every place I am online are at DeborahBlakeAuthor.com. And that's Deborah the long biblical way, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. Um, I'm on the thing that used to be called Twitter um, and Facebook and Instagram. I've just started doing TikTok. Um, I haven't really quite figured it out yet, but every once in a while I post something up there. And I have a Patreon and an Etsy. So yeah, you can find all the links on my website and feel free to, you know, follow me around online. I do, you know, if people have questions for me, I always answer. I always write back. And to everybody, just a reminder that if you must buy through online delivery moguls, 
please leave a review for the author. Please, please, please leave a review. Reviews are so important. People have no idea how much that motivates. If you love a book, take the time to, and it, and it doesn't have to be long. It can literally be like two sentences. I love this book. I think this author is brilliant. I think she's got cute cats. I don't know. Whatever it is you yeah. want to say. Um, and people people will look at that. There are some sites where all you have to do is leave like the four or five stars, however many yeah. stars you think it's worth. You don't even have to write it. Or you can do like the same review in four different places. Nobody cares. I I'm an ESL, right? English is my second language. I can speak English, no problem. Writing it, it's a completely different cat. So the first time somebody asked me to leave a review on Amazon, I have to write an essay and then review it 20,000 times. And then I post, post it. And then I learned like, no, all they need is the book is great. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just, just say what it was you liked about the book. Had a lot of useful information. You know, um, to warn me not to do love spells. I don't know. <laughs> Beautiful cover. Um, yeah, just, you know, so glad this was reissued. It, it doesn't have to be a whole lot, but every review is like a gift to the author yeah. and a gift to the publisher, you know, yeah. and the, the more people who, you know, put reviews, the more likely it is that the book will sell well, and then they'll put out more. So if you want more books, leave more reviews. And remember that there is no animosity between publishing houses. There is just a whole lot of publishing houses. Well, there's not a whole lot, but you know, there are publishing houses and they are being very good to our authors. So if you bought from one house, if you bought from the other house, who you are benefit is your teacher, ultimately, who is the person who wrote the book. So, you know. Thank you so much, Deborah, for being here. This was a pleasure. And I well, hope thank you so much for having me. Maybe when uh, Witchcraft on a Shoestring comes out, we can do it again. There you go. That is uh, wonderful. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until we meet again, my name is Laura Gonzalez. This is Lunatic Mondays. Never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, building bridges of community around the world. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.